welcome, welcome, welcome to the first day of the week and to the evening rather of the first day of the week. As you know, the evening starts at 6 p.m. Um, according to God's calendar and not as at 12 midnight according to uh, the Gregorian calendar. So you're welcome to the first day of the week and to the word of God uh, uh, that he has put in my heart um, to deliver to you. And this is a, a new day that the Lord has made. We've just gone through um, an eclipse, an annular eclipse, um, which, which means basically that there has been a reset. And I, my prayer is that God just brings a realignment into all our lives and into the things pertaining to his kingdom in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and our lifestyle disposition before him and our mindsets uh, uh, as well. And we also pray um, that every veil that the enemy uh, was trying to cast over our, our minds and or blindfolds over our eyes are broken and removed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, even right now in Jesus' mighty name and even as the, 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 there was a, 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 the, a summer solstice and the sun this day um, was over uh, the planet, the topic of cancer, which became the longest day in the year. We pray that God will lengthen in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the time that we have so that we are fully prepared and equipped to be fully adorned as his bride in our wedding garments so that he can come um, and his coming will be um, timely and that whatever the enemy has purposed to try to preempt what God wants to do or to hasten his time and bring things into speedy operation that uh, are not time for them yet, that God will, by the Holy Spirit, raise a standard against them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that characteristically on this day in the witchcraft world, they want to exchange destinies, but that the Lord will give lives in exchange for your lives, according to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 4, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now let's get into the Word of God this evening. And I'm going to be speaking from, um, uh, I'm going to be using Daniel chapter 3. And so please, if you would go with me in your, in, in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, the third chapter, and I will begin to read from the first verse to the fifth verse. Here begins the reading of God's word, and I'm reading from the New American uh, Version, the standard version of the scriptures. Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and it's with six, and it's with six cubits. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
Then the satraps and the, the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates and the rulers of the princes were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before that, before that image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, to you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Verse 6. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We give you praise. May your word go forth and have free course. May by the Holy Spirit, enabling your word to go forth expressly, pierce even to the hearts to bring conviction as unto righteousness, and that your seed will be a fruit in the hearts and the lives of your people and will not return to you void, that our eyes will be opened, that you will give us understanding hearts to, to understand the times we are in so that we can make full proof of your calling upon our lives and not be taken, that we will not be amongst those that it was said the love of them grew cold and that they fell away. But your people will be, your saints will be firmly rooted and grounded in your love and stand firm in the power of your mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that your name be exalted and Heavenly Father, that you be glorified by your word that your word shall have free course and will be a blessing to every single person connected to this platform and under the sound of my voice. May my voice be as the oracles of God. So we submit to you and give you preeminence even right now, precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We sanctify the airwaves and we consecrate by the washings of the blood of Jesus this platform and this time of bringing forth the word of God. And we pray that everybody out there that hears this word will be blessed, will be edified, will be instructed, will be encouraged and corrected. And even in this day where the earth, the sun and the moon were in an alignment, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, we call everything concerning our lives into alignment, even the things pertaining to the church world and your kingdom into alignment, our nations into alignment, everything therein into alignment with your plans, with your purposes, with your times and with your seasons, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Nebuchadnezzar made an image and the image was an image of gold and the dimensions were 60 cubits high, six, uh, uh, six cubits wide, and he set it up in the plain of Dura, which was actually 
the nation of Iraq. Hallelujah. And so Nebuchadnezzar uh, prefigures the end times and he prefigures a world leader that will set up um, Satan's worship system. And don't forget, it was 60 cubits, six cubits wide, and there were six types of musical equipment that released a sound that everybody had to bow down to once that sound was activated. And so we have Satan's stamp all over that incident, uh, 60 cubits, six cubits wide, and six types of musical equipment. That's 666 right there. And so that prefigures a new world order that the enemy is trying to bring. And the new world order comprises of a one world government, a one world economic system, and a one world religious system, and so on and so forth. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible begins to tell us that in the last days, there shall be difficult times, according to the New Living Translation of the Scriptures. In the last days, there shall be difficult times. And the, 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 and the people will be lovers of themselves and money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that God make that could make them godly. And Paul, uh, Timothy admonishes us, uh, stay away from them. So we know that in the last days, difficult times are gonna become to come. And in these perilous times, it means that the enemy is gonna change, try to change times and laws. Hallelujah. To change decrees, to promulgate decrees, to change uh, constitutions and enact laws that would make it very hard for God's saints to meet, for God's saints to express their voice, and so on and so forth. Even as we're seeing today a restriction on, on our uh, corporate congregational assemblies, um, and so on and so forth. And I don't think that uh, it's going to get better. The, the enemy wants to find a way of, of muzzling the voice uh, of God uh, going forth and the assembling of the people because where the, the saints assemble, there is a release of God's power and presence that puts a, a lot of things in the kingdom of darkness to flight. Even as it is written, one shall put to flight a thousand and two ten thousand. And the enemy wants to, to, to muzzle the mouth of the, or the voice of God so that it's not going forth while he begins to bring all sorts of noise and pandemonium and so on and so forth. So the places of worship may come under attack and so on and so forth. And he's introducing a lot of diabolical agendas uh, um, in the name of secular humanism and so on and so forth, such that the three Hebrew children were, uh, were accused because they refused uh, to bow down at the sound of worship to pay uh, obeisance to this image 
the, 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 the Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And we know the Revelation chapter 13, the, the Antichrist and the Satanic Trinity is going to work to set up that kind of image to steal the worship of his saints from God, from the saints of uh, the worship of the saints of God from him uh, and, and, and to put it on to him. So it's all about stealing your worship. So Daniel and the three Hebrew children were accused of no or, 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 or in Daniel chapter 6 of worshiping his God and not worshiping man hallelujah so Daniel was placed in the lion's den the three Hebrew children were uh, were thrown into the fire because they refused to bow down to the image they refused to bow down to the idolatry of the times they refused to to participate in that whole system of the beast that was designed to steal worship through a new sound being propagated that would begin to stir up uh, 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 ungodliness within them. Most of the greatest war that we're going to see is through sound, especially in these end times. Hallelujah. But Daniel, the Bible says, refused to compromise. Just as the three Hebrew children refused to bow down uh, to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had raised. They refused to engage in idolatrous worship. They refused to be to participate one foot have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the Babylonian system that Nebuchadnezzar of worship that Nebuchadnezzar had set down. They refused to bow down to the image. Even though they were going to throw to be thrown in the they were at risk of being thrown to the fire. But they said to Nebuchadnezzar that they would rather worship their God and obey the word of their God rather than obey the word of man. Because God had said that no one should uh, bow down and worship any other God apart from him. Hallelujah. So we understand that there are going to be attacks in these end times. That the situations, the circumstances, in these end times are designed as they were then to get us into a place to bow down um, to situations and to steal the worship of God from our hearts and place our worship on some satanic idolatrous system hallelujah hallelujah and so basically what the enemy was trying to do is steal our worship by trying to get us to compromise our value systems and our belief systems and that is not a new strategy but we need to be aware of that strategy in these end times because it's an age-old strategy that we see that is patterned out in scripture right from the time the children of Israel uh, 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 came out of Egypt on their way to the promised land uh, Balaam was hired hallelujah and Balaam was hired and Balaam was hired to curse Israel by Balak and so Balaam developed a doctrine and a strategy 
to seduce the children of Israel into relationship by them participating in the festivals that the Moabites normally held during the course of their years and to invite the children of Israel to participate in all those idolatrous worldly festivals and revelries and so on and so forth uh, uh, through which the women, the Moabitish women, were able to seduce the men of Israel into marriage and therefore the, the Israel that was a type of the church got married uh, 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 to an idolatrous system and so on and so forth. Same thing by the time they got to Mount Sinai, by the time Moses went up to get the wedding vows, the Ten Commandments for God to espouse uh, Israel to himself, uh, by the time Moses had come down with the wedding vows, Israel had engaged in the worship of a golden calf. They got married to Baal again. And then we see that uh, expressed in, 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 second, uh, in the first Kings from chapter 16. Uh, Ahab is king of Israel, the holy nation of God. And then he, uh, uh, he gets introduced to a woman called Jezebel who marries him. And so Israel becomes married to another idolatrous Babylonian worship system through Sister Jesse. Hallelujah. And then we see that again in the book of uh, Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2, we, uh, we see uh, the church of Pergamos, and Pergamos means to be married. And they got married to a world system. Then they, from there, they got married to pagan Rome and the Romism and so on and so forth. And so uh, the early church, Christianity, was married to paganism and everything became mixed and watered down and their worship was stolen uh, their hearts were stolen and their worship was now on a false god that was a that was that that, that uh, was was the propagation of a babylonian system from the tower of babel hallelujah and we see the satanic trinity in operation the spirit of balaam this uh, the spirit of the nicolaitans and the spirit of jezebel the satanic trinity that uh, that worked to steal their worship and marry the church to the world and to the world systems and to an idolatrous religious system and and what happened it because they compromised because the enemy, the church got married to the state. The, uh, and so there was, there was no separation of church and state. And so the church, the state began to rule Libra and amalgamated the church into a whole system that today we call the one world religious system hallelujah that is being propagated and according to the book of daniel by the revived roman empire hallelujah and so the romish government uh, religious government is, is trying to marry and bring uh, a whole religious system by getting the church to compromise and become married to a whole system of religion to promote what is said to be uh, world peace. But my submission 
is that there can be no world peace except the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Ancient of Days, hallelujah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Alpha and the Omega is enthroned as the Prince of Peace over the earth. There can be no peace. Every other peace is just a false semblance of peace, which the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 13 and going forward from there is what the enemy will always want to do. And so when the Bible talks about this, the seven-year season of the great tribulation uh, on earth, the tribulation on earth that is divided into two, two halves, the first half, according to the book of Daniel, is time, times, and half a time, three, which means three and a half years of false peace. And then in the middle of that, at the three of the, that three and a half year mark, uh, the, the, the beast system sets up uh, what is called the abomination that causes desolation and uh, gives it a voice to speak. And, and then everybody is bowed, commanded to bow down and worship it because uh, Israel has accepted uh, the, the, the Antichrist as their Messiah because they are deceived uh, because he's able to bring about a semblance of world peace, which is a false peace. Hallelujah. And then they wake up to the sudden realization that this is not the Messiah. This is the Antichrist. And then that becomes the, mar the marker, the time marker for the next three and a half years, which is actually called the Great Tribulation. For which, if you are a Christian um, uh, 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 and you, you assuming that you believe in the rapture, and you are uh, of that theological school of persuasion, you would have gone up into what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. So down here, the only way to get saved would be that you have to be martyred for, for the confession uh, and your adherence to Christ and his principles. Hallelujah. And so the whole system is designed to bring this one world government or new world order, beginning with a one world religious system, the advocacy of a false peace. Hallelujah. Because I reiterate, there can be no peace except Jesus Christ is enthroned as over our hearts and over his people, over the peoples and over our nations as the Prince of Peace. Because no man cometh to the Father uh, except through him. He is the way. He is the, the, the truth. He is the life. No man can come to the Heavenly Father except through him. There's only one way to God. And so every attempt to merge religions together will only bring a false semblance of peace and is part of an antichrist system of the beast to bring about this new world order. Hallelujah. And so what does the enemy want us to do? He wanted uh, the three Hebrew children to bow down to that image for which threats 
for which threats were going to come against them, for which accusations were going to come against Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 because he prayed to his God when there was an order and a decree that there should no longer be uh, that kind of prayer, that every prayer should be prayed towards uh, Nebuchadnezzar, which also happened in the in, in Revelation chapter 2 in the churches that Jesus Christ writes letters to the seven churches in Pergamos, for example, there was in that time and during the time of the Romish government, emperor worship where guilds and everything were developed and where a whole system of paying obeisance to the Caesar as the emperor Libre was developed and any of the church that refused to pay obeisance and give incense of worship to the emperors would be persecuted by taking into the amphitheaters to be the subjects of gladiatorial fights or to be beheaded or to be burned at the stakes and be used as sport for a jeering population that would gather in the amphitheaters to see such bizarre uh, uh, activities uh, and wickedness being per perpetrated. Hallelujah. And so all that time was emperor worship. So decrees were made to stop the church from its true worship. That And there's nothing new under the sun. What will be, will be again. So don't be deceived that uh, the enemy is just going to listen down and let us do our God thing, Libra, as we've always been, hallelujah. He will try to attack the church and attack our worship systems just like he attacked the worship system of the three Hebrew children and the prayers of Daniel and to, to uh, try to get them to uh, steal their worship of the true Lord God, Alpha and Omega, our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ and to put it on to a whole satanic system that, 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 that we read about in, in Revelation chapter 13. And the thing that the three Hebrew children did was they refused to compromise. They refused to bow down to that statue. You must refuse to bow down in a place of compromise to the value systems and the belief systems of the kingdom and the character that Jesus Christ exemplified, the lifestyle he emulated to us and the value systems that he lived by. Hallelujah. So the enemy wants to cause us to compromise so that we can settle just to survive or just to, to make it and to exist. By compromising. And Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants you are and to, to, to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So Satan, bottom line, is trying to steal our worship. That's what he tried to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 10, he said, uh, If you bow down to me, all these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus Christ said, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So the enemy will use things 
to steal our worship, your attachment to the material world. Hallelujah. And the things that engender towards the material world. By how? By getting us to compromise. I shall not bow down. So Satan will operate and enact situations, circumstances, promote events to cause us to become afraid so that in our fear, our faith can be crippled and we will compromise. So the fire of your circumstances that Satan will promulgate, Satan will use events, situations, use circumstances to try to dominate our minds by stealing our attention and putting our focus on them to cripple our faith and introduce fear to stop us from getting what God has for us. He will use the fire of your circumstances, your job, your marriage, your home, your finances, your body, promote sickness so that he wants you to be so afraid by circumstances because fear has its base in situations while faith must have its base in the word of God. Can I go a little bit deeper here? The issue of compromise is an age-old story when we read the scriptures. And the thing that the enemy wants us to do is to compromise truth, compromise our value systems, compromise our belief systems. Daniel refused to compromise. He, he, he walked in the resolution of an uncompromising life. He knew what God had said in his word. He knew that what God has said in this matter of bowing down and compromise, and he was determined not to violate the law of God or violate the law of his master. So Daniel said, I cannot do, I cannot do that. The word of God commands me not to do so. And so this is where I draw the line. So we need to draw the line where God draws the line. We can't come to a place of compromise. Draw the line where God says draw the line. Because when we draw the line, the lines will provide consistency in our lives, if Daniel had not said no, history would not have been what we read today in the scriptures. There would have been a failure. His life would never have been written down in the book of life, but written in the book of failures. Daniel took a decision. He took a decision and he said no. If he hadn't said no, his history 
would not be written for us to understand or to read. He took a decision that affected our lives. Because he had the guts to say no. Because he had the guts to draw the line where the line needed to be drawn. Because in the kingdom there are no shades of grey. The kingdom is about absolute. You either have one foot in, two feet in. You can't have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. You're either in all the way or you're out. You either love him and if you don't love Jesus, then you hate him. You're either building with him and if you're not building with him, you're scattering. And you're either hot or you are cold. But if you are lukewarm, then you're about to be vomited out of the kingdom. Wake up. It's a reminder to us that we don't need to bend the rules. To be blessed by God. Our success is not determined and dependent upon our compromising that which we have been committed to. It's commitment and loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ all the way. The story of compromise in the Bible is not a happy one. It's a sad and sickening tale. Adam, our first father, the progenitor of the human race compromised and followed his wife's sin. And as a result of that, he lost paradise. Abraham compromised the truth and lied about his wife and almost lost her to a heathen king. Sarah compromised and advised Abraham to go into Hagar because she was impatient and had Ishmael and lost the peace of the Middle East and were still suffering, following the, uh, enduring uh, uh, the consequences of that sin. Esau compromised and sold his birthright for a moment of pleasure and instant gratification. Aaron compromised his convictions on idolatry and worship. And in idolatry, he built a golden calf. And as a result of that compromise, he lost the promised land with all the partook of that idolatrous system that he raised. Samson compromised his moral convictions and his moral purity and his righteous devotion to God as a Nazarite under the Nazarite vows and he lost his eyes. He lost his strength and he lost his life eventually. David compromised his convictions about his morals and his divine strength and committed murder and lost the life of his son, the first son through Bathsheba. Solomon compromised and married foreign wives and lost his kingdom. His kingdom became divided. Ahab compromised and married Jezebel and lost his throne. Ananias and Sapphira 
compromised in the area of giving and they died. Now understand that the kingdom of the world says if you want to get ahead, you have to bend a few rules. But God's word is yea and amen. You're either following it or you're either breaking it. So compromise then is always settling for less than God has given us in his plan. I repeat it. We compromise when we settle for less than God has given us in his plan. And because his plan takes requires faith and patience, we often lose patience and we always settle or we end up settling for less. Compromise will always cost you something. If we compromise now, we will always have to compromise in our future. What you compromise to get, you will always have to compromise to keep. When you compromise your future for a present need, as did Esau, it means that anytime you compromise, you always mortgage your future or at the very least put your future on hold. May the Lord have mercy upon us. We compromise when we try to meet our own needs instead of trusting God to meet them in his own way and in his own timing. Esau did that. He tried to meet his own need and compromise and sold the things of eternal value and significance for a moment of instantaneous gratification. And that is the story. In our nations. And the challenge is that opportunists will always compromise. Judas did not have his future in mind. Judas lived for the moment. Stop living for the moment. God has to open our eyes so that we can see the future. That we can understand the future. And that we can apprehend the future the things that pertain and gender towards eternal value and significance. Because this world is not our home. This world is just a test run to qualify us to govern over nations in the 1,000 year rule of Christ on the earth. Judas compromised to get something which in the end he didn't like, which in the end caused him to commit suicide. Judas lived for the moment and the cost was too high. So we end up compromising our belief systems. We compromise our, our value systems to get a thrill for the moment. And I'm talking from experience. Because what you get, what you compromise to get, you'll eventually compromise to keep. And what you compromise to get, you will eventually lose. 
And that's the deception of the enemy. He gets you to a place where you can devalue your own convictions, where you can devalue what you stand for. And there's certain things in life that cannot be compromised, that are too dangerous to compromise. You can't compromise the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tithe. God said, don't touch it. The value systems that God had given to Adam and to Eve our moral purity, our design purpose, our stewardship mandates, the responsibilities of the kingdom of God, the government of God being on our shoulders, the principle of freedom, which is not license to do what you like, but the freedom to do what you ought to do. The kingdom of God is about absolutes. You're either in it or you're out. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. One foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. God hates middlemen. You're either hot or you're cold. If you're lukewarm, then you're enemetic. He'll spew you out of his mouth. God hates middlemen. You're either for or you are against. There's no neutral stand. Make up your mind. Where do you stand? You either shape up or we either ship out. You are either for or you are against. How long, Elijah said, will you falter between two opinions? Israel, make up your mind. Where you're standing. Are you standing in the temple and in the church of Jezebel? Or are you coming and to reconsecrate yourself to the altar of the Lord? There are things that cannot be compromised. Our faith in God cannot be compromised. The values that God has established cannot be compromised. So let God be true and every man a liar. And there are many examples of compromise in our world today. The cultural movement, and we call it, they call it relativity. They call it materialism. Religious tolerance. The issues of money cannot be compromised. What do we mean by tolerance? Because secular humanism is advocating we must be more tolerant in our society today and not be bigots. Well, excuse me. I'm a bigot as far as the word of God is concerned. It's black or white. 
There are no shades of gray. God is inflexible as far as his word is concerned. Forever, oh God, his word is settled. His word is even exalted above his name. So excuse me. I'm a Christian bigot. And so the world says, lighten up a bit. Live and let live. The advocacy is there's no right and wrong. Everything is relative. Your belief is right and my belief is right. So then we should have, this, the, we should have uh, no values. And when we don't have any values, then we fall for anything. Then we don't have identity. We're confused. A thief always believes that the things you possess belong to him. So what is this whole move of secular humanism? To get people to lose their moral compass. To see it from their own way. So that there's no right, there's no wrong. So that you can start injecting your seed up a waste pipe. So that every individual, every individual belief, individual values, individual perceptions, individual lifestyles, and individual perceptions of truth are all equal. Because what is truth to you may not be truth to me. So we have a standoff. And the idea is that you should stop being narrow-minded. That you need to be more flexible, be more tolerant, be more open. Because all truth is relative. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So they're trying to tell you that the values that your parents taught you are not relevant for today. They're not relevant for this generation and for this age. So you need to change a little. It's a new day. It's a new need. So change a little bit. Be flexible. Otherwise you won't be able to profit out of this, your value system. And Jesus God said in Isaiah 5, Woe to those who call evil good. Freedom. The liberty for which Christ died for was the, for the, was the freedom is the ability to handle responsibility. Tolerance is to live a lifestyle of compromise by your selfish inclinations. We can't compromise in our church assemblies and going. Church is not to make you happy. Church is supposed to make you holy. This is where you have to have your mind made up and washed from deception and to uphold truth. We can't compromise. On the advocacy of religious tolerance. 
Because the what most it will bring is just a semblance of peace. Which is not peace because there can only be true peace when Jehovah Shalom is honored and is worshipped. Another area the enemy causes us to compromise over is, is money. So there are two systems. Jesus said you're either worshipping God or you're either worshipping mammon. You can't have the two. So we've got to make up where we stand. Make up your minds where you stand. Because if you love mammon, you will despise God. And if you love Jesus, then you will hate mammon. And mammon has a whole load of stuff to do with your faithfulness in utilizing and managing the resources that God has put at your disposal uh, in, in judicious stewardship, in faithfulness. And one of the greatest tests that we're seeing in this time of COVID-19 lockdown and not being able to assemble as church is were you still faithful with money before when you used to go to church as you are now doing the, uh, 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 are you still faithful now with your giving, with the operations, utilizing and managing of money now because you're not in church as you were when you used to go to church? It's your given tapered, has it dropped off? You're not giving to the church. If you're giving, even though you're giving into a church, you're supposed to be giving to God in your heart. For where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. Have we compromised with God's value systems when it comes to money? Have we compromised between right and wrong that the lines are blurred? Have we compromised between what is up from what is down? Have we compromised between morale, what is morale, and what is immorality? Have we compromised between what is hot versus what is cold? Have we compromised between what is right from what is left, from what is good from what is evil, from what is light and what is darkness? Again, there are no shades of gray. Have we compromised because of what the, the advocacy of secular humanism and which is trying to tell us to look at things in a different way. Because one of the things that the enemy does is he takes old words and old and definitions, original definitions of words and modifies them. He takes them and shakes turns them upside down, empties them of their contents, and brings a redefinition. So marriage in Genesis chapter 1 is different from what the world is calling marriage today. And the uh, advocacy is be tolerant. God has not given us freedom of will, even though he has given us freedom of choice. So all the enemy wants to do is to make us powerless through compromise. 
so that you can choose your own convictions. You can choose your own belief system. You can choose your own lifestyle. You can choose your own values. You can choose your own perceptions of truth that they say are all equal, but there's only one truth and it's black and white. And if you follow it, you're blessed. And if you don't follow it, you end up being cursed. So God says, choose. And I pray, he said, that you will choose life instead of death, blessings instead of curses. There is pressure being mounted up upon us to compromise our value systems, to compromise our belief systems, to compromise truth. And I don't know about you, but I am tired with compromise. Because after coming this far with God, you've come too far to turn back. You've come too far to give up. You've come too far to blend in to a Sodomic, Gomorrah system called Babylon, where the enemy is putting pressure. And uh, the good news is the pressure is not going to decrease. It's not going to relent. Because the enemy will do everything to cause us to forsake our values and bow down to his image. And to the image we want to build for ourselves. And to the standards and the value systems that the world system is advocating. Hallelujah. Where do you stand today? Where are you going to draw the line? Will you draw the line like the three Hebrew children? Nebuchadnezzar, we respect you and we honor you as king over the 120 nations. So you are king over many other kings. But we have a God who is king over the universe and over every other king. So while we see your fire, we're not focusing we refuse to focus on your fire, on our the circumstances, even though we can feel the heat of the fire. But our eye is on the king of all kings who created you. So if we're going to worship anybody, then we will worship the one who is king of kings who created you. Then worship you, Nebuchadnezzar. So in this matter, Forgive us, but we will not compromise our worship. We will not compromise looking on to the author and the finisher of the faith. For the joy of which he endured the cross for our sakes. 
So if we're going to bow, we will bow to him. We will not bow to you. We will not compromise our worship, our value systems. So if you throw us into the fire, so be it. And if we die, we die. And if the Lord is pleased to deliver us because he is able to deliver us, then so be it. But we refuse to compromise. And they got thrown into the fire. Six things happened as a result of them being in that fire. In the fire, the people that threw them into the fire were executed. Hallelujah. The second thing that happened was that their bonds were loosed in the fire. The third thing that happened is that Jesus showed up in the fire and their hearts were encouraged. The fourth thing that happened in the fire is that their lives were insured. Hallelujah. Fifth thing that happened in the fire was that God was exalted. The sixth thing that happened in the fire or through the fire was that their influence was enlarged. And when they came out, they came out in absolute faith, in absolute commitment, and in absolute confidence. And the constitution of Babylon was changed. And anyone who would speak against the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego would be, would be killed. Their influence was enlarged because they refused to compromise. The Lord God Almighty was glorified. So as we go through the fiery times and the fiery trials, we stand in that promise that the Lord Jesus will be with us and the fires will not kindle over us. We shall not bow down. May you not bow down. May I not bow down to a place of compromise of the truth, of his value systems, of the belief systems of the kingdom of God that our Lord Jesus Christ emulated for us, that lived out for us, that died for, so that we may have eternal life. May your life not be cut short. And may we see one another in eternity with Christ. Hallelujah. I shall not bow down, neither should you, to the whims and the caprices of the times. We rebuke that spirit of compromise of our lives, of the church, of God's people, and of God's servants and the priesthood of this day in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you will not lose everything. God bless you. God keep you. God uphold you. The Lord watch over you and the Lord strengthen you even in these difficult days and times. The Lord preserve you. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Shalom, Shalom.